because I hate draws. I just don't get that. I'm like, why draw? You know, I, I, I say either, either we win or someone dies. Welcome back to another episode of the Kitman Podcast. You enjoyed today's episode. Be sure to leave five stars. Thank you so much. Tuning into a special episode. My name is Rohan. As always, my two friends, Dillette and Owen, are with me today. How's it going, guys? Going good. Happy to be here. Going great, man. Excited for today. Yes, because as I said, today is a special episode, and we have a very special guest joining us. He is the owner of Leighton Orient FC, the second oldest football club in London, and they're currently sitting at the top of League Two. Kent Teague, Kent, thank you so much for joining us today. How are you? Sure, happy to be here. Uh, I'm doing very well. Awesome. So let, let's get straight into it. You said since your mid-20s, you've always wanted to purchase a sports team. You could have decided to buy any team playing any sport, but you chose a small football club in East London. What's the story behind that? Well, I wish I could buy any team that I ever wanted. <laughs> um, <laughs> that's just... Sorry, but that's not true, uh, because if it was true, I'd own the New Orleans Saints. But that's a that's a different problem. Um, yeah, the NFL is a very exclusive club. Um, and you're right. I have looked at MLB and NBA. Uh, I was asked to take a look at NASCAR and NHL. The problem in the National Hockey League is my Texas accent does not fit into the Canadian uh, accent that seems to fit better in the uh, in in the National Hockey League. Um, I looked at um, two different MLS teams and made written offers on those. Um, I I made a written offer on a USL team, uh, the Tampa Bay Rowdies. Um, I looked at clubs in Colombia, Brazil, Argentina. Um, I kind of looked all over the world and. I, uh, I, it just so happened that a friend of mine in New York and a friend of mine in, in London, uh, sorry, in Houston. So New York and Houston also, uh, they were also friends with Nigel Travis and Nigel was trying to figure out and was putting together a consortium to buy Leighton Orient because of all the research I had done, um, about different pro sports franchises around the world. I knew that Leighton Orient was a deal worth doing uh, and a deal that I thought would be valuable. And so it just worked out uh, that Nigel and I got along really, really well, still do to this day. And, um, and that's how I ended up at Leighton Orient. It was something that I wrote down when I was 20. I want to own a pro sports franchise. I want to own, I want to own, I want to own. And I, and the, uh, to this day, I still write a bunch of stuff down that I want, and I'm really glad that it came true. That's good to know. I'm going to start doing that because I'm 20 myself, and I want to own a yeah. own a sports team one day. I can't, I can't read, I can't reach the notebook, but um, I have a notebook, and I encourage. So at Late Orient, we have we are also we also have the Late Orient Football Club Club, uh, you know, charity and. Essentially, that particular organization, I'll go talk to schools or, or we, like I've spoken at a, what we would call a high school graduation in London and things like that. And the thing that I most encourage kids to do is do two things. Number one, write down what you want, write it down, and then read it like every day and let your mind 
figure out how you can get what you want. And then the second thing is never give up on what you've written down. And it took me a long time to finally get to where I wanted to be in life. Um, but I think that knowing what you want and being persistent will help you in almost anything that you desire over not deciding what you want, not writing it down and not being persistent. That's funny. I have a notebook just like that on my That's, desk. I just, I, I just can't, I just can't reach it. Yeah. <laughs> it's right over there. <laughs> so I got you. I got you. Yeah. You got to bring it into the universe. Yep. That's cool. Yep. In one way or another. Yeah. Right, okay. So you, you've been talking about wanting to own a sports team and you chose soccer in England. So what is it like being an American owner in a sport where it's, there aren't really many American owners? Well, it's a lot like being Ted Lasso. Um, <laughs> it, it really is. And, the accent and, it is, it, and, and our fans sometimes call me Ted Lasso Jr. when I ask questions about offside or <laughs> why is there such a thing as a draw? Because I hate draws. I just don't get that. I'm like, why draw? You know, I, I, I say either either we win or someone dies. That's, you know, that's kind of how I, you know, that's how I want it to be, right? So, you know, so they're like, oh, you're Ted Lasso. And, and so when I go in the supporters club after the match, which I do every match that I happen to be in London, um, you know, it is an interesting world to live in. Uh, being an American, and I don't actually claim to be American most of the time, I claim to be Texan, which is a different problem. There you go. <laughs> yeah. That's, that's right. So, that's right. right. That's so, right. So, so I'm a Texan that is in London and I'm in East London. Uh, and, uh, and so it's I, I can tell you that it makes absolutely no sense what I've done. <laughs> uh, it makes no sense whatsoever. And it is the greatest, please don't tell my wife and daughters this. It is the greatest thing I've ever done. <laughs> and, and the reason is, is that I have a lot of value for variety and I have a lot of value for uh, being in situations maybe where I might be uncomfortable or just where I get to just experience life in a totally different way than than you would expect. And so for me to be in London, to be in East London, to be Texan, for it to be football and not basketball or baseball or, you know, all of that, it just make it is, it is so... My relation, I feel like our, my relationship to our fans is one of the greatest gifts I've ever been given. And it's just, it's an amazing uh, to get the chance to do it. So it is, it is unbelievably thrilling. It is unbelievably satisfying. It is unbelievably frustrating when we don't win or we're not doing well. Um, but it is, it is absolutely worth every minute of it that, that that's happened. I, I got to tell you, be, being a Texan in East London also, right. I, when, when I talked to you at the game, I felt like I, felt like I was right back at home. So Yeah, it's a, it, it, and it is. It's a very strange environment because the UK and England and the English, and then we have fans that are Scottish and some of them are Irish and some of them are from Wales and some, some of our players are from all over the UK and all over the world. Mm. Um, it's just an, it's an amazing, um, like opportunity is not the exact right word, but it's just an amazing situation to be in. And it's just so much fun. I'll, I'll, I'll also tell you this. 
there's a huge difference between an away match and a home match. Oh yeah. For me. Like an away match, the first half of the match, I sit in the director's box. The second half of the match, I sit in with the crazies. That's what I call them. With the <laughs> traveling fans. Um, and I, and my picture has been taken tons of times in those spots and they, there's videos and there's all this stuff about me hugging our fans when we score and stuff like that in the away yeah. end. And again, it's one of those things where it's just this unbelievable opportunity and experience awesome. that most people just will never get to get to have in their life. But, and they should be jealous, uh, because it is fantastic. <laughs> that is awesome. That's so cool. Yeah. So obviously the fans, they, they kind of love you now that they've gotten to, to see you own the club and know the club. No, but uh, at first coming in, what I was going to say is that there was kind of a bit of rejection towards an American owner at Leighton Orient, right? I don't, I don't remember there being rejection of an American owner. What I remember is there being a certain level of mistrust and they just weren't sure. Like, what were my intentions? What was Nigel's intentions? Because Nigel lives in Boston. And, you know, it was just like, what are y'all's intentions for the clubs? Are your intentions what's best for the club or what's best for you? Are you going to asset strip the club? Mm. Uh, you know, Leighton Orient has a long history of ownership and different owners have approached the club in different ways. And so they were, they were very cautious, I think, and rightly so. Uh, given the former owner of Leighton Orient, which is well documented, yeah. you know, two, he, he achieved two relegations in three years and things like this, you know, and so I, I think there was a certain level of mistrust. But what Nigel and I decided very early on, even before we bought the club, as we were in the process of buying it, we decided that the number one thing that we were going to be with our fans was authentic. And that we were going to tell them what we were thinking and what we liked and what we didn't like and what we wanted to say to them. And there are really two things that I decided we were going to consistently, I was going to consistently say to them. Number one was, I want you to be more proud of Leighton Orient today than you were yesterday. And I'm hoping that you'll be more proud of Leighton Orient tomorrow than you are today. That's number one. And then number two, the main thing that I want you to know is that we're going to do everything we can to make it to where you're more proud. And then the third kind of second or third one, because those two kind of go together. But the other one was, guess what? There is nothing wrong with Leighton Orient the way it is today. We are not going to introduce NBA multimedia to the club. We are not going to force a fan club. We are not going to have cheerleaders. We are not going to do, you know, all of the American things that people so believe that make American sports so great. And it does make mm -hmm. American sports so great, the multimedia experience. We basically said to them, there's nothing wrong with Leighton Orient Football Club the way it is today. You guys help us figure out how to make it better. That's a that's a great set of morals to bring into a club when, mm -hmm. you know, you took over in such a yeah. tumultuous time. Because mm -hmm. like you said, when you and Nigel took over, Leighton Orient experienced two relegations in three years and actually dropped out of the football league for the first time in 112 years. 
But right. Nowadays, right. I, w- I was at I was at one of the games against Northampton. It feels like you guys are on cloud nine. It's it's honestly hard to put the passion and feeling around the club and the atmosphere into words. But how, how do you continue? How do you plan to continue that type of feeling around the club? Given you know you inevitably as a football team will face adversity in the future, just like any other team has. Well, there's two things that we do. Number one is we focus on what we can do to make the club better. We make sure that we pay a competitive um, like side. So one of the things that we decided was is that we would continue to have our side paid as a group in the upper half of the table. So if you take all of the different teams and you say, okay, we're not going to be the New York Yankees of old, where they used to have a $300 million wage bill and everybody else in the uh, major league baseball had like a hundred million. And so we're not going to be the Yankees, but we're also not going to be whoever has the lowest paid, you know, lowest paid. So we've consistently Mm -hmm. put ourselves in a position where we can do that. And we think that we can do that going forward. Um, We have faced adversity. We had, uh, you know, we've had a number of things that have happened where we've, uh, it's been really, really challenging. Um, We are the only uh, sports team that we know of in the world who their first team manager passed away within six weeks of getting promoted. Oh, wow. Or winning a championship. Uh, and and so that was that was pretty rough. Um, and, you know, we've not always finished higher in the league than we did the previous year. Um, but, you know, the thing that we've always just promised our fans is a steady progression back to League One. Now, once we get back to League One, then I don't then I don't know. Um, specifically. I don't know if then we'll decide we really want to go for championship. Uh, and then if we were to get to championship, would we really want to go for Premier League? I don't, I don't, I don't, I'm not trying to predict that part of the future. I'm just focused on us getting back to League One. And then from there as a club, I think we'll decide what, where we want to go from there. And what would the, I guess, the difference in decision be like? Whether, because I guess just from the outside perspective, we really wouldn't know what goes on in the decision-making room, but mm-hmm. getting to the next league, trying to fight for promotion versus mm-hmm. trying to stabilize, what type of decisions are you making there that would kind of dictate what happens? Well, they're primarily financial. And so I'll give you an example. The average championship club, so Premier League championship club, the average champion championship club loses 20 million pounds per year. Wow, wait, that's, because, <laughs> that's a lot more than I thought. Yeah, why? Correct. Because it's so valuable to be in the Premier League. Mm. You got a bunch of people. There's three Willy Wonka golden tickets. That's what I call them. There are three <laughs> promotion spots to take you from championship into Premier League. Now, if you want to go play that championship game, which we may decide we want to do that, if we decide we want to do that, we probably need to commit somewhere between 100 and 150 million pounds to that exercise because we might be in the championship three, four years and still trying to figure out exactly how to get that done. 
Um, and we could also be what's called a yo-yo team where we go mm-hmm. to, the, to the championship, then we're back in League One, yeah. Championship League One, and there's all of that. Uh, so there are some financial decisions that need to be made. There would there would need to be a stadium decision that would need to be made, training ground decisions, you know, coaching decisions. There's a lot of decisions that go with being in that championship group versus being in League One. Um, but the decision process would simply be one of just as a, as a board of directors, what do we think we want the ultimate outcome of the club to be? Um, because you once you say you want to be in the championship, you got to say we want to go to Premier League because you've got to make that bet of championship pay off. And the only way to make that bet pay off is to be very committed to getting to the Premier League. So the championship is just like an investment. You're putting championship is like a roulette wheel. Okay. There are three greens on a roulette wheel. <laughs> and all the rest of them are red and black. <laughs> and, and, and so it's like, you know, it's a, it's a real, it's a really, this part of the sporting world globally is unlike any other part of the sporting world globally. NFL, NBA, MLB, NASCAR, NHL. MLS, most other pro sports leagues in the world do not face the value difference between or even the ability to create this level of value difference between the Premier League championship and league doesn't exist anywhere else in the world because you don't have promotion and relegation. Right in most of the other pro sports franchises like the premier league that get valued at four or five or six times revenue that, that it's just that it, it is a very unique spot in the world league one championship and premier league really right. is and that and that's part of the draw of like well hmm i can go do these other clubs or i can go insert myself into the english pyramid so to speak yeah yeah it is it is so much different than any american sport oh it's not it's yeah you know i mean major league baseball has the ability to do promotion and relegation but never have we seen an a team become a major league baseball team right yep exactly never will right just never it's just it's not even built in that way and if you look it up it'll it'll tell you like this is kind of what the teams lose i think i'd have to ask um it i it feels like that it's somewhere between a million and three million in league two that the average club loses and in league one it's like two to four okay two to four million per club right but to go from two to four to 20 to 25 yeah that's a hit and then and then you go to premier league none of them lose money they all make money they all make money so it's like Make money, lose money, lose a little bit of money. <laughs> uh, that that roulette wheel is a good analogy. I like that. It's and it's severe. Yeah. I mean, we, I mean, we have we have so many friends uh, in the game now in the UK uh, that have either worked at Leighton Orient or previously worked at Leighton Orient, and 
you know, Dean Smith is one of these guys that we talk about. You know, he was a manager at Leighton. He was a assistant manager at Leighton Orient and, and then played at Leighton Orient. And then he, you know, Aston Villa and Brentford and, you know, all these different positions. And so it's always interesting to talk to people who really feel the effects of that game as they go from being a, a league one, you know, league one manager to championship to premier league and, and what it's like. It's, it's incredible to get that chance. Some honestly very unique financial insights that I don't think we would have yeah, been able to hear anywhere else. I would have had no idea. Yeah. For the most part, people just don't know. Um, they can see it if they're looking for it, but they're not looking for it. That's, that's true. Yeah. Mm-hmm. No, you, you got to look for it. You definitely got to look yeah. for it. Yeah. That's honestly something I never would have guessed. Is that they're losing 20 to 25 million dollars, million pounds a year? Uh, I, I can ask, I can ask Tre- Trevor Birch, who is the uh, CEO of the Football League, is actually a, a pretty good friend of mine. I mean, I've known him for quite a while since 2017. Yeah. Um, and he and I've had breakfast a number of times and, and we're, you know, we're pretty good friends. I'd have to ask him, but I bet that the projection this year is that championship will lose somewhere between four and 600 million pounds. That's, that's something I find really interesting. I, I wrote a paper a while ago, like describing how winning it, it, not only in the premier league, but the drop in the championship and lower leagues is getting so, so expensive. And we're seeing players go for hundred mil, hundreds of millions of pounds in, mm-hmm. in transfer fees when, mm-hmm. you know, that was unheard of just 10 years ago. Yeah, the amount of money that's in the Premier League itself. Mm -hmm. Now, you know, American sports are really valuable because of the revenue that's generated off of broadcast rights. But you have to remember that (laughs) the Premier League is a global broadcast right. Right there, there are a number of countries around the world who don't watch football, basketball, or baseball, or hockey, but they do watch soccer or football, as you want to call it. And, um, you know, pretty much Central and South America, Africa, China, Asia, you know, uh, there's a lot, you know, the, uh, the, you know, the, it'll, it'll just be interesting to see how many people are watching what's going on, um, you know, this winter. And when the World Cup gets broadcast, um, it is an amazing amount of energy and enthusiasm that's generated worldwide for the sport. Um, so it's a big, it's a big, it's a big game. It's a big game. Do, do you think that the sport will ever become, I guess, less top heavy? in a sense that the championship won't always be such a losing asset? No, because because there's going to be so many people that are willing to bet enormous amounts of money in order to get into the Premier League. Hmm. And I don't, I don't see that economic reality changing anytime soon. And because championship can go and get players from all over the world, in order to try to win that league or to get, be one of those top three, I don't see. The other thing too, the other thing is, is that you have to remember that anyone on the globe can own a championship team 
And there are a yeah. number of people who will take a significant amount of money and put it on their ability to win. And so you've got billionaires and people globally that have an enormous amount of excess wealth in certain ways that would love to be the one who got mm -hmm. something done like that. So also if if there's a chance this could happen because obviously there's only 20 Premier League spots how like do you think there's a potential that you know all 20 of those spots will be taken by billionaires with money to throw around I mean they kind of already are but you know people keep right. on coming in to want to buy Premier League clubs but let's say yeah all right. those spots are taken now is there a chance that that moves into the championship well you you that they already are in the championship and what you have to remember is that every year three teams go up into the Premier League and three teams come out of the Premier League and go down every year. Mm -hmm. So every year, there's a new set of players that are in the championship that are trying to figure out how to get themselves up. And there are a set of players inside of the Premier League that are trying to make sure that they don't go down. And you know, they're willing to spend just as much money to make sure they don't go down as they are to make sure they go up. So, okay. Gotcha. So yeah, you don't think they'll, they'll never be, I guess, more value in the championship. Just everyone will just continue to fight for the Premier League spots rather. Well, kind of going along with the money uh, still, how do you feel about money in sports? Kind of given this financial takeover we're seeing with PSG, Man City and Newcastle, especially. Well, what are your thoughts on all that? I think that, the world is a very wealthy place. To me, the world is a very wealthy place. And there is um, plenty of money in the world. And there are plenty of people who love sports. You know, so there's a lot, there's a lot of different ways to justify all of the investments and all of the money and all the value that's in sports. Absolutely. It that's is. Right. It is. Yeah. And it is. um. Actually, in an interview you gave last September, you mentioned mm -hmm. kind of taking a similar approach as Brentford had uh, mm -hmm. has taken, and that got them to the Premier League. And it's similar right. to the Moneyball approach that more people might be familiar with uh, in the, mo mm -hmm. the movie with Brad, Brad Pitt. So now that it's been over a year, how would you rate its, its effectiveness so far? And do you see that carrying you through the Premier League? Because you mentioned – in the championship, you know, you would be losing around 20 to 25 million a year. I'm not the one who makes all the decisions. Yes. So that's first thing at Leighton Orient. Um, second thing is there are a number of other owners of Leighton Orient. I have a pretty strong value for analytics, but I don't believe that analytics is the only answer. Moneyball presupposes that it's all about the statistics. If you just get the statistics right, you can win, right? Now, mm -hmm. baseball is a little bit different in the sense that every pitch, you can, you can do something different on every, at, you know, at the beginning of every uh, pitch from the pitcher. Whereas in football, the ball, you're going from defense to offense to defense to offense to defense to offense, and it's a, it's a very fluid style game. Um, and so I don't think that analytics is the silver bullet, uh, in, in professional football. 
but I do believe that analytics should be used. So we are starting to use analytics more and more and more. We are becoming more reliant on analytics and analytics is filtering into more and more of our decisions. But I don't think it is the silver bullet. I think it is a combination of factors that get you from where you want to be to wherever you want to go. Okay, definitely. Um, so, so you kind of mentioned, you know, the, the push to league one and currently you guys are sitting in first. We don't want to, mm-hmm. we don't want to get too ahead of ourselves here, but hypothetically, let's say Leighton Orient does get promoted this season. Mm-hmm. What are kind of the expectations in league one? Because you said you want to consistently build. It's, it, it's not going to be a meteor meteoric rise. Uh, I, I, so, so what's realistic for, for next year? Um, if you're hypothetically in league one, I think where we would, we would want to be at least solidly mid table. Mm-hmm. So to me, that is 15 to say eight, somewhere in there. And we would probably build our side to where we would not face relegation. And if we got super lucky, we might make it into the playoffs to get into the championship. But for us, as we go up, we prefer stability over, uh, you know, believing that we're going to go from, say, the top three in League Two to the top three in League One. And part of that is, is that we would need a little bit of a turnover in the side, I think. Um, and we have contracts that make it to where once you jump it's a little harder to just make that hardcore push to be at the top so i would say mid-table solidly mid-table that's what we did when we went from national league to league two and i would expect kind of the same between league two and league one what is like the main thing best thing you've learned as your time at the owner of lane orient it's not a bad idea to be ted lasso (laughs) Um, I've learned a lot about business and the business of sport. I've learned a lot about the psychology of sport. I've learned a lot about the sociology of sport. I've learned a crazy amount about the UK. Um, I've learned an insane amount about London and how much I really enjoy um, being in London as much as I can, which is every four to six weeks during the season. Um, I probably the best thing, I don't know about learning, the best thing that's happened is that I now have a set of friends who I would consider family. And I think there are a number of people in the UK who think of me as kind of like, being a part of their family and it's those relationships that you know I've been able to be a part of that have made such a huge difference in my life yeah you you guys are honestly building something so special over in East London I've been fortunate enough to to go to a game myself and I recommend everyone does because I was personally having this podcast for the past two years we've done nothing but talk about football but this was, I think, all any of our first times actually attending a game that wasn't a Premier League game. And it it blew my mind because I was not expecting that amount of passion and 
and support around the club that you know is in league two i didn't expect a basically sold out stadium even the away end right. sold out and it, it was honestly tru truly something special Leighton Orient is a very Leighton Orient is a very unique situation that's been made unique um, prim primarily by the staff of Leighton Orient, the players of Leighton Orient, the board of Leighton Orient, uh, you know, including Nigel. And mm -hmm. that's that's it. What makes it so special is that you've got so many people that are willing to do the right thing on behalf of the club. And that that's what makes it special is we've got a, an entire army, I guess, of people that their primary concern is how to make the club better and to make sure that it's better, that we leave it in a better place than we found it. Absolutely. Yeah, definitely. Yep. And that that's honestly the perfect point to leave off. So thank you so much once again for joining us. Sure. It's been an amazing episode. And yeah. as always, guys, follow so you never miss another episode. And we'll see you guys in the next one.